Since Evie was born, Kylie and I have watched a lot of Disney movies. Not because we have to, just because we choose to. We've watched all the classics and all the new ones too. All of our favorites and all of the ones that we weren't really sure about. When I was a kid, my favorite movie was The Lion King. I loved and still love that movie. I loved it so much that I dressed up as Simba for Halloween one year. I demanded every night before bed that I had to watch The Lion King, literally every night. I don't know about you, but Disney movies seem to get better and sometimes a little harder to watch the older you get. Maybe it's just because I have a kid now and it softened me up a bit, but it's hard to watch scenes like in The Lion King when Simba loses his dad, to see Scar lie to Simba about what happened and to tell him to run away. But then Timon and Pumbaa come on the scene and they lighten the mood. They bring their Hakuna Matata and they save Simba. Simba goes through a traumatic event. It upends his life. He forgets who he is, who he's supposed to be, and he lives a leisurely life with Timon and Pumbaa. In Nehemiah, the Israelites have been through a traumatic event. They were attacked by a foreign power. Their city and the temple were destroyed. Some of them were forced to live in exile. They couldn't practice their faith and they cel- or celebrate their festivals as they normally would. They had forgotten who they were, what it meant to be God's people. After the wall was completed, Nehemiah and Ezra had set out to lead a spiritual revival. It began in chapter 8 as we saw last week and it continues this week in chapter 9. Hear this reading from Nehemiah chapter 9. Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with dust on their heads. Then those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all the foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their ancestors. They stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a fourth part of the day. And for another fourth, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. And Ezra said, you are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, and the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. And you saw the distress of our ancestors in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea. You performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land, for you knew that they acted insolently against our ancestors. You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day. But they and our ancestors acted presumptuously and stiffened their necks and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey, and they were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their necks and determined to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you were a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And you did not forsake them. Because of all this, we make a firm agreement in writing. And on that sealed document are inscribed the names of our officials, our Levites and our priests. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we grow, we go through different phases, physically, mentally, and emotionally. We're learning, growing, trying to figure out who we are and where we belong in the world. 
Right now, Evie is in the I want to go places, but I can't move myself, so I'm mad phase. Have you been there before? Sometimes a phase is trying out a new hairstyle or changing how we dress. Sometimes we become interested in different types of music or we find a new group of friends. We have to explore different things to figure out who we are, to figure out what our identity is. Identity is important. It helps you to be self-aware. It provides direction and motivation. It enables you to have healthy relationships, to keep us grounded in uncertain times. It improves our decision-making when we know who we are. And it helps us find and participate in community. It plays a role in how you treat others, how you carry yourself in the world. If you don't know who you are, it becomes difficult to live and function in the world. If you read through Nehemiah 9, you will notice that I've selected several verses throughout the entire chapter. That's because Ezra prays a really, really long prayer that recounts Israel's entire history. From God creating the world to the moment that Ezra, Nehemiah, and the rest of the Israelites find themselves in in this moment. He's trying to remind the people who they are and more importantly, who God is. He's reminding them of their identity as God's chosen people. But they aren't just looking at the good parts. They're confessing the error of their way, owning all the times that they have sinned and turned from God. Last week, we celebrated communion. And part of our liturgy every time we celebrate is a prayer of confession. It starts this way. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. You recognize this. It's not quite the same as what the Israelites are doing. They're spending a fourth of the day confessing their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. When Nehemiah prays, he gets specific about the actions God has taken and the sins committed by the people. This isn't a fluff piece trying to make people look good. It's honest. It doesn't shy away from the ugly parts of Israel's history. Before the people can recommit themselves to the, their covenant with God, they first have to acknowledge how they messed up. We're not really good at confessing our sins, are we? Unless we can submit them to an anonymous Twitter page, of course. This person said, My wife tolerates me having chickens as long as they are regularly laying eggs. Three of the older girls stopped about nine months ago, but I couldn't even think about getting rid of them. Instead, they've been laying Lytle free-range eggs every day, and she doesn't have a clue. Another man wrote, I'm a secret knitter. My wife is pregnant, and I've had to invent a lady at work who I attribute all the knitted garments to. I even call her Nora. I love knitting. Sometimes our confessions seem harmless and even funny, but other times they are more difficult to own, like this one. Five years ago, I saved a boy's life in a park. When he wandered off and fell in a pond, I jumped in and saved him and kindly left once I knew he was safe. There was no news article, no who was the mysterious hero Facebook appeal, nothing. I've been furious about it ever since. We often go to great lengths to make excuses or create a narrative that justifies our actions and our thoughts and preserves our need to see ourselves as a good and moral person. Sometimes we just tell ourselves, well, we aren't that person anymore. We wouldn't do that again, and we move on. 
But psychologists have found that confessing our misdeeds allows us to heal our identity, to reconnect to our need to see ourselves as a good person. Confessing allows us to accept ourselves, flaws and all, and to accept that life involves challenge and change. If you remember the immortal words of Hannah Montana, nobody's perfect. Realizing and dealing with our sin is God's sanctifying grace at work in us. God is always working to help us be more like Jesus. My favorite line in this chapter is verse 17. They refused to obey and were not mindful of all the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their necks and determined to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you were a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and you did not forsake them. The people mess up over and over again, but God never walks away from them. Even though the people break their side of the covenant, God always upholds God's side. God's love is not dependent on our actions. My favorite part of The Lion King is when Simba encounters Rafiki. Nala has tried to convince Simba to return to Pride Rock and take his place as king, but Simba still feels guilty about his father's death. Rafiki shows up and tells Simba that Mufasa is still alive. So Simba runs after Rafiki just to end up staring at his own reflection in a pond. Rafiki's point is that Mufasa's spirit lives on inside of Simba. And then my favorite part. His father appears in the clouds and we hear the voice of James Earl Jones say, Simba, you have forgotten me. You've forgotten who you are and so you have forgotten me. You are more than what you have become. Remember who you are. Evie will be baptized this Sunday. And it's through baptism that we are initiated into the new covenant God made with us through Jesus Christ. Through baptism, God gives us the presence of the Holy Spirit that continues to work in us throughout our lives to help us realize our need for God's grace. Evie obviously isn't aware of her need for God's grace yet, but God will be at work in her life, working proveniently to be in relationship with her, helping to ground her as she works to discover who she is and who she was created to be. All of us will be doing our best to set a good example and raise her in the ways of God until she can profess her faith for herself. Just like in the days of Abraham, Moses, and Nehemiah, God will not abandon us and continues to try to restore a relationship with us. Remember who you are. If we forget who we are, we forget that our identity is in Christ. We lose our focus. We lose our moral compass. We start to look more like the world than the people of God. It seems like that's been a problem in recent days. We're more concerned with money and power and getting our own way than we are with being the servant community we've been called to be. We talk about whose ideas are right and more than we talk about how we can provide shelter for those without homes and food to those who are hungry, how we can care for the least of these. We talk about protecting our own way of life more than we look for the new thing that God is doing amongst us. Though we are not finished with our journey, we are finished with our journey through Nehemiah, we are not finished with our 52 days of rebuilding. We aren't finished trying to rebuild our lives. The Israelites are in the midst of a spiritual renewal in chapter 9, and I wonder what kind of spiritual renewal we need today. Have we forgotten who we are? 
How can we come together and confess our sins and renew our covenant with God? God is a God of boundless and unconditional love, slow to anger, ready to forgive. God will never forsake us no matter how many times we mess up. We are a work in progress. Let us continue to open ourselves to the transforming love of God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.